Good morning, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another day, Thursday, May 5th, 2022. Recording time, 5.56 a.m. Eastern. How is everybody doing this morning? Rise and shine. Early bird gets the worm. I pray that your, that your sleep was peaceful, restful, and that you're ready to take on the day. It's Thursday. We're wrapping up the week, first week of May. We got Mother's Day coming up on Sunday. So to all the mothers out there, I would love to wish you a happy Mother's Day. Much needed rest for all the mothers out there. Make sure to take your day and make sure not to do nothing. Make everybody do everything for you for a change. It's your day. So many blessings for that. I wanted to get into this story. I, I posted it about a week or so ago in the video portion for Spotify. And I am now uploading the audio. This was a very touching story. Very good story. It was um just a, a reckless moment. You know, and it's like I tell my daughter all the time. Your life can change in a moment. It can change in a flash. And her having her license now and, and being a young driver. She's already experienced exactly what it was that I mean. And hopefully she can equate that in her mind and start thinking about her decisions that lead up into events. These are very important things to remember out there every day because we get caught up in the moment. We get caught up in the emotions of wanting to hang out and party and, you know, the Super Bowl. You already know how I feel about all these distractions anymore, but you can see what these distractions do to us. It's a football game, it's Super Bowl, but yeah, we got to go out and we got to party and we got to spend all this money on this game and, and get drunk and get high and, you know, and, and travel from people's houses. And we have to do all these things just because it's a Super Bowl. It's a football game. It gives us a reason to cut back and relax and enjoy life a little bit, so they say. But in that process, we make egregious mistakes. We make decisions out of emotions versus critical thought. And that leads us down dark, chaotic roads, you know, that we're soon sorry for after. But sometimes that sorry is just too late. And in the case of, of Jason Gibson, it was. Jabe and Jason were best friends growing up. They were they were like brothers. And not only were they like brothers, they were dependent on each other for their strength because they were both going through issues in their life that they were just relatable to, and they both understood each other. This is the type of friendship that they had. And then one night, you lose your best friend, your brother, your soulmate, confidant. One thing to consider when hearing this story, us as prisoners, when we're incarcerated, especially for a length of time, we tend to experience these, these emotions over and over again, the loss of a good friend. While incarcerated, you could have a celly for years and being in a bathroom with somebody for years you know every detail about this person and their life you know their thought pattern to the point to where the both of you are working in harmony as cellmates you're both thinking for each other versus thinking for self and it just works out harmoniously and this is what makes a good celly makes your time a lot easier but then up in one day Something happens. Sally gets into a fight, gets stabbed, stabs somebody, gets into an argument with a cop, files a motion in the court. Whatever reason, your Sally's gone, just like that. 
A lot of times you may not even have explanation as to what happened to him. And then you never see this person again. And then by the end of the day or the next day, you may have a new Sally, somebody that you know nothing about. This occurs time and time again. And we have to deal with those emotions and process that instantly. Just have to write it off. Even though that we cared for this person, this person was like our brother. A brother we never had. Up and gone. Oh well, okay. Hey Mike, so where are you from? This is all part of the trauma that we go through when dealing with incarceration. And getting back to Jabe's story, it's compounded because not only the loss of his friend has altered his thought process and altered who he was and made him reflect on a lot of decisions in his life and understand, you know, how all of this occurred. But he's incarcerated. And he's been incarcerated for 16 years. So the point of this story is to ask ourselves, when is enough enough? Is our prison system truly for rehabilitation and forgiveness and second chances? We hear these politicians hollering second chances all the time. It's become a sound bite for them. Second chances. I'm all about second chances. But yet, when we have people's petitions and motions in front of them, they're not so much about second chances in those moments. Ron DeSantis and the Republican Party made that a bold statement this voting election, that they are all about keeping this prison industrial system flourishing. Even though that Florida <laughs> has more people incarcerated for life sentences than 30 other states combined, a stat provided by societyfirst.com. That's, that's amazing when you think about it. And then the people that we have in office now here in the state of Florida is all about keeping this industry flourishing. So this story is all about that. It's all about Jabe's coming home. Jabe is a re rehabilitated man. He made an egregious mistake. It wasn't a mistake that was planned. It wasn't anything that was thought out. It wasn't anything that was ever even imagined. It just occurred. It just occurred. Just like washing your favorite cup and it slipping out of your hands and, and breaking. Only this is a life. This was a family. But the family of Jason, the victim... They didn't hate. They didn't persecute. They understood. They understood that bad things happen. Both of them were taking risks. Could have happened the other way. Could have easily been the other family on the other side. Both of them were, were living reckless as kids, as so many of our kids do these days. It wasn't not too long ago we had kids running down Biscayne Boulevard. National news. Killed somebody racing down Biscayne Boulevard. Street racers. We get caught up in the moments and we allow Hollywood and, and, and these things to, to persuade us, sports to persuade us, get us in our emotions. So we make these mistakes. This is all what my message is about. Being conscious to the things that they are making us do without us even realizing it. Put it, putting us in these, these, these situations to take advantage of us because we're so overworked and overstressed. We look for reasons to party and just let loose. Like a like a 18 year old kid leaving the house for the first time, and they rely on us to make these mistakes because that's what justifies their system. These are my messages, people. So sit back, enjoy this this heartfelt story of of forgiveness and understanding and and wanting for change. Jason Gibson's family want Jabe home. Jason would want Jabe home. The only ones 
that is stopping Jabe from coming home is the same that felt he needed 20 plus years for his sentence. When is enough enough? When is rehabilitation rehabilitation? And when is punitive punitive? And when are we going to start calling the kettle what it is? So when I speak on community unity, when I speak on us rallying around our citizens who are in need of help and are not in the position to help themselves, these are the occurrences that I'm talking about. Sign the petition. Takes only a couple minutes. Listen to the story. If you believe my words and you believe in what I'm saying, I wouldn't have this story and be saying the things that I'm saying if I didn't honestly believe that this was a rehabilitated man and that he would come home and be productive and fix his life. This is a man that needs to come home. You can help by signing the petition. Community unity. Stand behind one another. Protect one another from the tyranny of this government. This is where it starts at. This is why I have my platform. This is why I bring these things to you so that you'll listen and that you'll help. Not for you to sit down and, and eat popcorn and drink soda and just enjoy my sexy voice. This is for a purpose. I'm not here for likes and subscribes. I'm not here for people to agree with me. There are many other YouTube channels and many other convict channels that supply that for entertainment. That is not what I am about. I won't lie. I won't deceive. I won't manipulate. I won't bring anything other than what I believe in and what have experienced and seen for myself. And I'm trying to do that in the most honest way instead of me just up here telling you about it. I try to bring people on that know me, people from my past, people I haven't seen in in decades to speak about some of the th the things that I used to do, who I was. Also that you can see my transition and know change can happen, rehabilitation can happen. I know what that rehabilitation looks like. Because I did it. I've been through it. This is why I bring what I bring. So enough said on that. Please enjoy the show. It is a little lengthy. I'm trying to rework a lot of, of my program and try to centralize a lot of my show to make it easier for the listener to find it on, on one platform. Again, like I say, please just keep in mind that this is just me. I'm doing all of this dolo, just like it says on my hand, dolo by myself. Everything that you see, hear, taste, touch, feel has been been produced by Thomas Freeman. And then I got to go out and, and Uber on top of that to get my bills paid. I do all of this because I understand the importance of what is going on. I have no social life. People tell me I need to relax. People now need tell me I need to get a life, have some fun, cut back because I work from morning to night every day because I understand there are innocent people in prison that are suffering. There are people that that need to come home, that deserve to come home. There are homeless people. There are people out there that are addicted and don't want to be. There are so much, there's so much going on. I, I, I just feel obligated to, to do what I can to help because I took advantage of a lot of that as a youth. So for me, it's it's that. So getting into the show. I love you guys. Be easy. Be safe. Be cool. Stay copacetic. Stay true. Stay conscious. Be aware of everything that you are doing. It's monotonous. It's tiring. I understand. But this is not a time to be lost in, in play play. Enjoy the show, people. I love y'all. I'm out.
Late afternoon on Sunday, February 6, 2006. Super Bowl Sunday. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Seattle Seahawks were playing for the championship. And Jabe, Jason, and friends were going out to celebrate that game. Leaving their residential drug rehab program. And before they hit the bars, Jason called home. Our family had been at church, so he left a cheerful message saying hi to mom and dad and us kids. It's a message we would all play over and over in the hardest times of grief and missing Jason. That day is so much a blur. I couldn't tell you a time, but I guess the phone rang about 6 p.m. or so. My sister Catherine answered the phone. It was our aunt asking to speak with our dad, not something she ever did indefinitely, not during the Super Bowl. Catherine asked what was wrong, which had our heads turning. Everyone looked at her waiting. Everything happened all at once, and then in slow motion after that. We were told that Jason and his friends had been in a bad car wreck, and Jason was thrown from the vehicle. A flight was booked as our mother made her way to Florida. And despite what the papers read, Jason did not die on impact. His body was broken, bloody, bruised. But he lived for 10 days following the wreck where he succumbed to catastrophic organ failure. The family was told Jabe and his friends were released from the hospital with minor injuries. Rest in peace, Jason Gibson. 8279 2160 2, 6, 2, 6, 2, 6, 2, 6, 2, 6. Let's bring Jay home. Yes, it is. Yeah, hi, Thomas. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm blessed, man. I'm I'm trying to hold it all together. So bending bars that's here in florida well uh, let me give you a little background information it started in 2015 in florida south bay uh i'm a university professor i had some external funding to do some research on the impact of civics education on the reduction of recidivism and it was very successful at south bay It developed into not a one-course program, but the students didn't want to leave. So now we have what's called the Quadrivium, and it includes civics, economics, literature, and ethics. And these are pretty, you know, we use some real good reading material and such. Aristotle, Plato, uh, give them a real good economics background. I should probably say I'm sort of a free markets person, libertarian. So it's... uh, has that kind of thrust or dynamic to it. Uh, we, in literature, they read De Tocqueville's uh, Democracy in America. I put together a reader that has focuses on the founding era of the American political order. So it started in South Bay. People found out about it. Uh, we got additional funding. It kept growing, growing, growing. 
COVID hit, we were supposed to be in every FDOC facility practically in the state, uh, but the COVID situation slowed that down. We're currently in three. We're in Indiana, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona. We're just getting our sea legs back because of this COVID situation. So it's um, you know, a pretty successful program. We hired a national director. Uh, Jim Flanagan, he was working with me, helped me get this thing started along with my son, Elijah, and who uh, was an attorney. And by the way, I should probably say he was killed by a convicted felon mm. uh, on September 5th, 2017. Uh, he was moving into a new apartment, engaged to be married in a few months. It's a tragic story, but Eli was, uh, he was with me on this from the start. So, uh, Sertel.org, uh, became very much interested in it. They, uh, helped raise more money, helped launch it in these other states. Uh, so the national headquarters for the most part are in Indianapolis because that's where a lot of the funding source is. And they wanted to be close to uh, the people that are funding this project. So, it's, you know, it's just, you know, this isn't anecdotal. We have the metrics to substantiate it. But our graduates, the recidivism rate is less than 20%. So we've had a lot of success. Um, and it's hardcore. We don't, you know, we don't uh, treat these inmates with kick gloves. We tell it like it is. They either like it or they don't. But our retention rate in the classes is almost, yeah, I'd have to say, unless somebody's transferred or released, 99%. The students really like it. They like to be challenged. Many of them, this is the first time that they've uh, been open to critical thinking and to look at things from a different perspective. And the reason I'm on this uh, platform right now, Tom, is because Jabe Carney was one of our first students. He's the trustee of the program. And uh, Jabe has been phenomenal. He mm -hmm. served like the registrar inside the penitentiary. He kind of th keeps things working because his staff at the penitentiary is swamped. So he's our go-to guy when we need to reschedule a class, schedule a class. He does all the rosters for us along with three other trustees. And... Uh, the reason I'm here is to speak on behalf of Jay, and this is sort of my academic expertise, uh, the criminal justice system and such, and I'm not going to go into the you know, pedantic of it, but suffice it to say that Jay, of course, was convicted of uh, DUI manslaughter. When he was out on bond, he was issued two traffic tickets, so he served his time for the DUI manslaughter but he still has 10 years pending because of traffic tickets, essentially. But my point is this. I'm not going to go into the trial and this and that, you know, all that. The other participants can talk about that if they want to. But, um, you know, sort of, in my opinion, an Eighth Amendment issue, there's absolutely, in my mind, and all of this, you know, you can't quantify something like this necessarily, but the probability of Jay reoffending is as close to zero as you can get. And my point is that uh, it's really a human tragedy to keep Jabe 
incarcerated for another 10 years because if he were to be released, let's say next month, he's made a commitment and I believe him that he's going to work with us in the civics education project. We've also, as a matter of fact, in the Tampa area, we're involved in a uh, reentry program. So we're working with a lot of folks. Some of our, uh, you know, I've been in courts uh, and resentencing hearings for juvenile capital felons and things. Uh, and we have a lot of those guys are, you know, very successful. We stay in contact with them. But what we're doing now on the reentry side of this is to use some of these uh, gentlemen that are returning citizens to be involved in our program to uh, mentor juvenile uh, offenders and to uh, put them on the right path. Essentially. Um, so, you know, my point is that I know how the system works. I'm a political scientist, been teaching universities for 35 years. Um, it's going to be difficult, but I don't think it's impossible to uh, have his uh, sentence commuted in order to go to the uh, Commission on Offender Review and give him some type of a hearing. But he is much uh, more valuable to society outside the uh, penitentiary than inside because, and we talk about this in economics, the seen and the unseen, his work on the outside would probably prevent many more people from being incarcerated in the future. And it's just... Uh, it's not only an ethical uh, issue, a moral issue, it's also an economic one. Let's assume that Jay spends another 10 years incarcerated. It's going to cost the uh, citizens of Florida uh, 10 years. I'm going to lowball it and say $20,000 a year. I'm talking about $200,000 wasted, not only economically and financially, but the human capital side of it. Jabe has a tremendous amount to offer to society. And like I said, there is, in my mind, uh, I probably have a higher probability of committing a felony than Jabe, and I'm free. So Jabe in no way, <laughs> shape, or form poses a threat uh, to society. As a matter of fact, what he does present is a great benefit and value to society because of what he's been through over the last 20 years. So if there was some way to break through the system and get the attention of the governor's office uh, for them to take a look at this and uh, get Jabe out of prison, it just doesn't make sense. Ten years for what essentially uh, are traffic tickets while he was on bond. So he did his time uh, for the DUI manslaughter. He accepts that. Uh, he, full responsibility for that. But we need him out here. We need him out here to mentor would-be felons to make them not become felons and end up in that revolving door of incarceration. So he's a bit, you know, I have to admit, we'll miss him inside the penitentiary because he's so valuable as a trustee. But there are other gentlemen that he could train and they'll, they'll take over. Uh, but it's, you know, the human capital that's wasted, not only for Jay, but other uh, people. And, you know, I'm not a bleeding heart 
course, a lot of those folks should be incarcerated um, because they have not been rehabilitated. But Jabe was a young man, made some bad mistakes. He accepted that. And it just doesn't make sense from a rational, ethical, a moral, financial uh, point of view. He needs to be out of that penitentiary. So that's who I am, professor of political science. Been doing this. I did it in West Virginia early in my career, and now we uh, we've gone nationwide. It's it's quite amazing. Um... And, and definitely, please take down my information and make sure that uh, I can be involved in anything that you got going on here in Tampa as well. Um, I would love to work with, with this organization here. Me, um, as I was explaining to Ms. Marilyn earlier, now that we have the room full, um, I come from a broken home. Uh, I was kind of left to my own accord. I was born to uh, a family who was just trying to survive. I was unplanned, um, and uh, they just didn't have time for me. You know, they loved me. They were parents, but they did the best they could at 40-something years old. Um, I uh, had some bouts with molestation at a very young age. Um, I didn't understand it at the time. I didn't know that I was being, you know, tricked and in, in, in things. Um but I knew that I was becoming very angry because I had all of these questions and I had nobody to talk to about them, you know, and my family was very uh, machoistic. So it wasn't something that I could just bring out and, and talk to about. Uh, so these, these feelings were harbored and uh, I started committing crimes at 12, 13, 14 years old. I started breaking into houses um, and, and just doing bad things. Uh, so they sent me to JDC and they just facilitated me back and forth until they were able to try me as an adult and send me to state prison. That's where I learned how to be a mastermind. Um, I came home and I got right into the drug trade and started um, dealing mass amounts of cocaine. And shortly after that, I was wrapped up in a federal system. And my anger my passion comes from the fact of what that federal system did to me. Um, I took the feds to trial and they had zero evidence on me whatsoever. They withheld uh, grand jury testimony from me, even though that I went to trial. They, the corruption that ensued in the federal system was astonishing. And the, the, the realization going into the federal system and getting into the law library and studying my case and other conspiracy cases and, and laws, just getting into the hornet's nest, you know, year after year, I did this for 10 years studying law there in the law library. <clears throat> my personal transition came from the fact amongst, you know, me maturing and, and really deep diving into my soul to understand how I ended up in one of the worst federal prisons in America in solitary confinement, because I did not view myself as a bad person, but yet I'm doing atrocious things, you know? So it, it was, it was just understanding that complexity within me and then understanding the system. And, and I came to the, to the understanding that, what always resonates with me is Tony Montana. 
when he's sitting in the in the in the diner, you know, and he's drunk and he says, you know, I'm the bad guy. You know, I'm the bad guy. You guys, you guys need me. You know, I'm the guy that you look at and point your fingers to to say that's the bad guy. And once I started understanding that, it it shifted in me because I knew that I didn't want to be looked at as the bad guy. But yet I'm committing and doing the things that attributed to a bad guy. And then once I started understanding that they want us out here committing these crimes, they have to have somebody in the communities committing crimes. They have to have addicted. They have to have these things in order to justify their police, to justify their prisons, to justify all of this. So at that point is where I said, I'm nobody's puppet. My life is my life. And I'm not here to feed anybody's agenda or be anybody's statistic. And from that point on, everything changed. And I have not committed a crime since then, nor will I. So I outline the fact of, of, of my reputation on my podcast, and I don't do it just speaking about it, but I bring individuals from my past, you know, individuals I haven't seen in 20 or 30 years. I bring them on so they can, they can account for who I was so that people can see who I am now and know that I did this by myself. I had no support. I had no support. I had, it was me just wanting to be better. And as the doctor had announced earlier, right, the first transition for me was learning logic. When I, when I ran across the works of Plato, that became my Bible. I wanted to think like they thought. I wanted to understand how they understood because I knew that this was the fabric of what life was, what understanding was. And once I understood what logic was, logic is the differentiator between fantasy and reality. And if that's not in place, your mind can just go to fantastical places and you can live there. And that's where I was because I just had no logic. And, 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 and Plato, Socrates, all of that put that in there for me. And it made me understand that everything that I had in my head up until that point was somebody else's education. It wasn't my education. I was living off other people's perceptions, other people's thoughts, other people's dreams, what they wanted me to be. I had no idea who I was or what I was doing. And, and that changed everything for me. I'm going first. I'm going first. That changed everything. <laughs> okay. Um, this is Jabe Carney's statement. M8S15074. First of all, thank you, Mr. Thomas Freemy, for agreeing to tell our story. Thank you, Catherine and Danielle, for your support and for agreeing to participate in the program. Thank you, Dr. DeRosa, for coming on such short notice. And thank you, Haley, for all that you do for me. Jason and I were close friends. We were roommates in the months leading up to the accident. And we spent a lot of time together. He had a great sense of humor and a big heart. I truly miss him. I miss his laugh. I miss his perpetual smile. I miss, I am truly sorry for what happened. I never meant to hurt anyone, especially not a close friend. Jason's death is completely my fault. He died because of my negligence, my youthful stupidity. 
It's been more than 16 years since the accident and it haunts me still to this day. I wish I could change the past. I could, I wish I could somehow bring Jason back, but I can't. The consequences of my actions are irrevocable and I have to live with my mistakes. I can't imagine how Jason's family must have felt when they received the news. My heart goes out to them. I take full responsibility for my actions, for the pain that I have caused. I pray Jason's family can one day find peace and closure. During the 16 years I have been incarcerated, I have changed considerably. I am no longer that young, immature child that got behind the wheel after having a few drinks. I am now a mature adult, and I strive each day to be a better person. I have taken advantage of every available opportunity to better myself, and I am ready to reenter society. While I appreciate the seriousness of my offenses, there is no amount of time I can serve that will bring Jason back with the support of Jason's two sisters, Catherine and Danielle, I am pleading for mercy for, from the clemency board. They told me that the two lives shouldn't be ruined. They told me that two lives shouldn't be ruined and that Jason wouldn't want to serve. I'm sorry. It's okay, mommy. Just take your time. It's okay. They told me that two lives shouldn't be ruined and that Jason wouldn't want me to serve another day. In truth, I can't even be asking for clemency if it weren't for their support. We have been corresponding since 2009 and I long to meet them in person. I now think of them as family. I cherish their forgiveness and I think their pleas for mercy should be heard and their wishes respected. Thank you again, Mr. Freemey for having us on your show and thank you everyone for watching. So first off, thank you for, for reading that. Now, who are you to Jabe? I'm Jabe's sister, his older sister. And how, how is that to read that? Uh, hard. I, I mean, it's always a little tearful and on for both sides it's it's hard well just specifically you you know then i want to get to alex because alex had interaction with him but specifically yeah. you this is your brother yeah and and aside from everything that has happened your brother that you've grown up with since a child is is writing this letter and and how how does that impact like when you read his words and you know your brother what comes to your mind um i know my brother better than anyone um you know when we were kids we fought when we grew older everyone told us one day we'd love each other and it it just happened and we became close um, like he literally, he was there through all my pregnancies. He like, he videotaped one of them. Um, <laughs> he was there to hold my daughter for the first time. It, 
I think I'm off subject now. And, no, it's, um, it's no because it's uh, these are important things. I, I really want to know his 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 demeanor, his character, like my, his, the essence of who he was. My kids, is. my kids. Even though he's been gone so long, um, the only reason, like, I know I lived in Florida for a little while, and my kids were born there, but we've been here now twelve years, and like we only vacation there and it's only to see Jabe and the kids. That's, that's all that they want. This is honest. Like they, they love to see him. They admire him. And it's sometimes I, I mean, not to be judgmental to people in prison or anything like that, because I know there are plenty of inmates that are, good people and people that have made mistakes and have changed their lives. And we all make mistakes. And just to see how much my kids have not forgotten him and how much they value him as a person and they look up to him and some of the things they say, like he's the most genuine person. My son said he's the most genuine person he's ever met. (laughs) I mean, he's like my best friend. I talk to him whenever I'm upset and uh, my daughter gets advice. She's a college student at OSU and she's my only one that's moved out. I got two still at home. Um, One about to graduate high school and the other one is in a little transition period. going to be a nurse, but they... (laughs) it's amazing how much they have not forgotten about him, even though it's been so many years. Like when we see him, it's like, he hasn't, he hasn't been away. Like everything. So even, even, even though that he's been gone 16 years, he's still an important fabric of you and your children. Yes. Y'all's daily lives. Exactly. He emails them constantly money and his stuff and all that stuff and the kids love hearing from him and they they know he's a good guy they they really honestly do and so so switching over to alex alex now you um will you just go ahead and explain who you are and how you're affiliated with jabe and then what that letter means to you so uh, to the audience, my name is Alex Morero. I'm actually uh, Carney's, one of Carney's best friends. I don't even consider myself to be a, his best friend. I'm a brother. The letter is impacting, it's touching. Uh, I mean, I want to come down in tears. Uh, the sister, um, you didn't catch her name. Not Haley, but the victim's sister. D? D, yeah. Yep. D. D. Wow, that's like my sister. My sister D. Um, <laughs> Let me tell you something. I I tell you this, uh, and this is out of the sincere of my heart. Day in and day out, he was not my roommate, but we slept like two bed, two two doors from each other. Um, we sat on the same table. Me, him, and Robert Howard, who is one of the juvenile. Oh my God, cases Robert right now. Howard! I would have so yeah. have Robert Howard here. Listen, that man um, is such a great man, and Jabe helped um, get him amazing. out for. We won't go into that, but 
amazing, God. amazing. I mean, that guy has my dog as his screen <laughs> on does. his little tablet that they give him in there. He does. Like, he does. I don't even know the man, and he, Jabe called him the gentle giant, and he was yeah. a good guy. I wish he could have been involved, but we didn't have time for that. But And that's exactly who he is. He's the gentle giant. giant. Yep. And, um, and, and Carney, my God, uh, I know the whole story. I don't know the past, but I know the whole story as of the day that it happened um, to uh, the day before it happened to the yeah. day where the, the incident happened. Okay. And um, every time I hear the story and I go, I, I move. So I left to Georgia when I EOS and um, a year later, was it a year later? About a year later, I decided to come back to Florida and I'm residing here now in Newport Ritchie. And when I go through the Skyway Bridge and I'm going back home to Fort out of the Miami, my wife, we were just coming back from over there. And uh, I tell my wife the story. My wife knows the story like like anybody else would know it. And um, it breaks my heart because I know that Carney has nothing but res- he, he, he is hurt, devastated. And when you talk about best friend, not only the best friend, the family and then the 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 um, impact it, it caused in the family and the sister, which I, I don't know if it was D or the other sister that really didn't want to, you know, didn't want to have nothing to do much with him. And then day in and day out. Um, no, they both, they both have communicated with Jabe over the years for many over years. The years. Over yep. the years. Catherine. But, but I, yep. I, I know there was, I know there was a great, a heartbreaking. And I think it was Carney that didn't want to do the, he, he was scared. He was scared to reach out to one of the sisters, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah, and but but you know, I thank God that that bond amongst the family is 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 tight. Um, I I, I don't want to talk about the case. I want to talk about who Carney is, and I believe that Carney is is a he's a well um uh, prepped individual where he has remorse about what happened. Um. He, his mission out, his mission is now is to help others and to make it happen and to make it right for others. He knows that he can't bring his best friend back, but he will do anything that's possible to make it right with the family and help others to, you know, to be better, uh, abiding citizens and better persons. And, um, Connie is just, man, I, I just don't know what else to say about him. He, and I'm the he, most is, he is my brother. I I completely agree with you. He is my brother. I have this, no doubt in my mind that he will be a good man. My, mind you, he's he a Gemini. Was, like, mind but... you, he's a Gemini like me. So he gives, he takes off the shirt off his back to give to others. Yes, mm. I, I can tell you that. So we we share a lot. We share, you know, um, we share a lot of. Com- he was my workout partner. So when I left and I EOS, I didn't think leaving prison I was gonna cry, really. Mm-hmm. But when I looked at Carney and I looked at Howard, those are my yeah. those are my two best friends. Those are my brothers. I still I stay in yeah. communication with them today. To this day, I, I cried when Howard. I have I cried when <laughs> Howard got released. <laughs> oh, Howard! Howard is getting there. He's getting there. We, yeah. but um, that's all. So that's I'm a, much I, oh, no, no, no. Thank you, thank you, Alex. Thank yep. you for that share. And and I'm gonna switch now. To Miss Marilyn. D, I'm going to hold you off to the end because I have something in store for you. But I'm going to switch off to Miss Marilyn now. And Miss Marilyn, if you'll introduce who you are and your association. 
Okay. Uh, thank you for including me. I'm Marilyn Coughlin, and I know Jay because he uh, was best friends with my son, Brian, through high school. And wow. um, yeah, a long time. <laughs> yes. And, yes. And um, nice to meet you. Nice meeting you. I've heard good things about you, wow. Alan. And Dee and Haley. You know, he loves you all. Um, it's just everything you've said, I agree with as to the person Jabe has become. Um, I have been writing to him for 14 years. We've been communicating back. God bless your heart. And um, we email and speak weekly now. I can tell you that he um, he was so sad and angry at himself early on for what happened. And um, remorse, yes. Um, his strength now comes from the Lord. I am so proud of the good relationship he has with Jesus Christ. I think. Amen. He, yes, right. He will. Um, he will just shine for God on the outside. I believe he he's will. doing it on he the sends inside. Sends me scriptures every single day, every day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. He's just. He's so intelligent. He is yes. so caring. Yes. He's loving. I've watched him grow. I want to say that, um, let's see, I've been trying to write to the clemency board. Well, I have been emailing them each month, and I just keep noting the next request, like how many times, and I keep thinking somebody's got to respond to this email for him. But in that note, I wrote that I'm a friend of the porting mom figure for Jay, but I've been regularly corresponding with him. I've seen him grow into a fine, mature young man. During his time in prison, he's had every opportunity to improve himself educationally and spiritually. He's certified to work in the law yes. as a law clerk, right? He's a peer tutor. He helps inmates earn their GED. And he's an aide for uh, the doctor that was on earlier. So That's correct. Correct, right? He does so much. God bless that doctor for coming on there. That was amazing. Yes. Well, he's still here, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh, bring is him he? on. Yeah, that I'm gonna bring amazing. him on next. So, um, so, um, but because I know he had to go. I'm but... so happy I emailed him. Go ahead, Ms. Marilyn. So, um, yes, I will do whatever I can to help Jay because, like the doctor said, he should be out on the outside now. That I am confident that he will just be an outstanding citizen and yes. just do so much for others. Um, just guaranteed. I'm just blown away at his intellect, his love, his humility. He's, he's got it all. He's a great package. He's, well, he's going to be a good catch for somebody. <laughs> let me ask you this, Miss Marilyn, as a, as a non-family member and, and just a, a, a friend, right, who's been in contact with him pretty much through his whole incarceration, Yes. What is the biggest transition that you've seen in him? What's the biggest from from when he first went in to now? What's the biggest transition to where you you can say, you know what? I know he's not who he once was or whatever. Um, I would say it's 
Um, I believe he's, um, it's so hard to say just one thing, but I really believe his love for the family and the fact that he's just in awe that they've been able to uh, forgive him Mm. and gratefulness, gratefulness. He is just so grateful. Mm. Um, I think that's what keeps him going. It really means a lot to him that the family um, is allowing him to be part of them. And he looks forward to getting out to seeing everybody and just being a part of everybody's lives. Can can I I say something right quick? One word that would describe Connie uh, being around me is passionate. He is very passionate. And and I could say more like Ms. Marilyn would say, but he's passionate, especially after this, what happened in his life. Mm -hmm. To share a quick story before I switch to the doctor, you know, on, on on gratefulness and and forgiveness mm-hmm. a story that always resonates with me is is there was a time where uh, a gentleman a, a crackhead had owed me two hundred dollars and he was dodging oh. me for weeks right and he was going and getting his supply from somebody else every time he got his paycheck and once it came to my my knowledge that this was going on i went to his house upon the next paycheck and on it was a mobile home and he's got you know there's happy birthday banner all across the door and all of this stuff and i'm banging on the door and he comes to the door and i tell him you know give him the scenario and tell him i want my money i'm not leaving without it he goes inside and comes out with a brand new i think it was like a a 50 inch television in a box and hands it to me as I'm taking the box and I'm leaving, a little girl comes running out and she's screaming and crying. And she's like, Daddy, that's my TV. You just gave me that for my birthday, you know, this and that. And I didn't think anything of it. I could care less. I threw the TV in the car. You know what I mean? And he's like pushing a little girl and he's like, you know, I'll get you another one. I'll get you another one. But I took this little girl's birthday TV. And that haunts me to this day. So it's it's like. Every night, I'm like, I wish I could find this girl and just see how she turned out. You know what I mean? And and apologize. And maybe, you know, so the forgiveness, when we know that we're forgiven for the things that we've done, it takes such a burden off of us to the point, like you just said, it it, it allows us to deal with what's there. But if, if we're not forgiven for something that we were truly sorry for, it it makes it unbearable. So that is the importance of forgiveness. I just wanted to put that out there that, I, you know, it, it, it haunts me to this day for, for what I've done, you know, and, and unable to feel that forgiveness. So that, that is big for, for Jabe to feel that is, is astronomical in his life and everybody involved. So I do want to introduce um, my guest, Mr. Martin, um, if you want to introduce yourself real quick, and then we'll get into the doctor. Sure. Uh, my my name is Martin John. I host the Recover Yourself podcast. I got 21 years clean and sober, and large aspect of what I talk about is what is it, um, what is it we're recovering to? You know, of course, we have this, we have all this kind of doctrine and, and talk about what we're recovering from. But for me, it was important to not only know what it was I was putting down, but what the hell I'm picking up, 
because <laughs> like, when I ran out of when I ran out of shit to put down, I started picking up all of the things I used to pick up. And that was the thing that really kind of made me um, made me understand that it was like no matter what I was going to pick up, it had to be me. Always had to end up being me, that thing that I'm picking up. And so that's where the Recover Yourself podcast comes from, and that's what we talk about. Um, I also do trainings for counselors and clinicians, because one of the things that I can't stand is when counselors, clinicians, therapists, and stuff get triggered by what we bring in the door, and then they start telling us all about their all their stuff. You know, or they start telling us how they dealt with it. And that's the exact same way that we're supposed to deal with it. And they don't let us explore our recovery path on our own. And everything has to look a certain way. When we understand that recovery doesn't look a certain way, it's it, it gives us a lot of freedom to allow people to recover themselves the way they want with our respect. Because when we... That's the it's the only thing that got me. That that's that's the thing that got me out from out there, was was someone showed me this minuscule bit of respect that I had never even shown myself, and that took me six years to turn around and make into sobriety, but that was the moment that it all changed for me. When I, when I received real respect. Mm -hmm. So doctor, uh, I have a, a wonderful testimony from you earlier. If you want to continue from what you had said earlier, um, please do. But hearing that letter specifically and knowing what, uh, what you have said earlier about what Jabe has, has, has accomplished and what he continues to accomplish. And hearing that letter, how does that resonate to you? Well, let, let me put it this way. Almost, as I mentioned previously, um, I'm kind of hardcore. I get a lot of requests from our students, and we have quite a few in various penitentiaries that would come to me and ask me to do this and that and go to court for them or write this letter, do this. And I'm very selective. Um not only because of time constraints, but, you know, you have this sort of gift of discernment. And I'm not going to take a risk of uh, getting somebody released early and uh, they reoffend. Because mm -hmm. if they do reoffend, uh, the victims, it has, you know, consequences that ripple through the ages. Um, so what I do in this program, and Alex is one of our former students, a great guy. We talk about civics. That was the benchmark course. And we try to explain to them, you know, we don't want to hear they're the victim. No, we tell them, you may be the victim, but we don't want to hear. But we know one thing, society's a victim if you've engaged in criminal activity. Right. So the victim, you know, uh, alibi doesn't sit well with us the instructors in the program, the mission statement. So what we tell them is in the civics course, and like I said earlier, we teach ethics, economics, and literature, and we use great books. We take a traditional approach to it. Uh, 
But when it comes to the American political order, we focus on this sort of unique moment in human history, where for one of the first times in human history, there was a political order with all its flaws and failures that recognized that they have rights from the creator, life, liberty, property, and so on. But those rights come with uh, an obligation of duties. So if they have rights, the person sitting next to them have rights. Their victims have rights. Uh, and they have a duty to respect those rights. But the thing that's unique about America, and I'm not going to go into a lengthy discussion about this, is that uh, initially, I'm not saying it does today, but initially, with all its flaws and failures and imperfections, it recognized the dignity of the in individual. Every individual is important because they were created by a creator that gave them these fundamental intangible rights. And we go through the literature that kind of drills that into their heads, uh, and it resonates with them. They have this epiphany that he's right. We do have rights. I am somebody. There is a creator. And I have a responsibility to respect the rights of my fellow citizens. And what we tell them, you know, sort of in a subtle way, but sometimes more direct, that if they respect the rights of other people, then they will not reoffend. There's no way, unless there's some type of, you know, anomaly that, you know, they're innocent in the end of the criminal justice system again. So let's go to Jabe. Jabe was one of our first students, very quiet individual, many ways shy. Um, but man, behind the scenes, he put this program together, as I mentioned previously, <laughs> sort of the registrar for the program inside the prison. And when I say uh, the registrar, I'm talking about keeping track of the inmates' attendance records, the courses that they've taken, the scheduling, the call-outs. He works with the education department. Just a phenomenal guy with all these skills and talents. And that's why I was mentioning that, uh, God willing, he is released and doesn't have to serve another 10 years. His involvement with our program on the outside is going to do so much good for society because he's going to be able to prevent other, especially young offenders, from getting in the criminal justice system. And society will be the beneficiary. Society is not the beneficiary. I am, because he's in prison and he's like my right arm, uh, making this program work. But society would be the beneficiary. The human capital on that guy is just phenomenal. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, I have a higher probability of committing a felony and ending up in the criminal justice system than Jabe does once he's released. And I'm convinced about that because I know his character and I know my character. And uh, I don't, I'm not saying I'm going to, you know, commit a felony, God forbid, but I know for a matter of fact that he does not present a threat to civil society upon reentry. There's no question about that. And so the question is, what sense does it make from a rational, ethical, moral point of view in incarcerating a guy with so much value to society for another 10 years? It's just, it's insane. But the criminal justice system, in many ways, is an insane system. But, uh, you know, that's basically 
uh, I know that when the people that have the authority to release Jay uh, make their decision, I've been there and done that, been, you know, courts and parole hearings and everything else. The thing is to get their attention and with laser precision, focus on this individual, Jay. And if this society values the dignity of the individual and what this country was founded upon, that liberty is a fundamental and alienable right, Jay will be out of that penitentiary uh, soon. If it doesn't, doesn't he only have four and a half years left, technically? Well, I don't know how they cooked it. The last time yeah. I spoke with him, he had two uh, uh, traffic violations when he was on bond. Yes. He served the 15-year sentence for the DOI manslaughter and then the other two separate charges. Um, I don't know how they run the clock there in Florida. But, yeah, Denver. that's what I'm saying. Those, uh, the, uh, those were uh, run uh, con uh, consecutively. Yes, consecutively. So, he had the manslaughter, then he had the two, what essentially is a traffic violation. Yes. Uh, he's doing two, he's doing them, pull them for a driver license. One of five, he, five years um, for a driver with no license. Driving with a suspended license, yes. Um, and they and gave him I, the maximum on I, that. And, um, but. And they ran that I consecutive think, to his manslaughter charge? Yes, yes because of his, his counsel. Yes. Talked him into, Pleading guilty to the other two charges, um, drug possession and the suspended license habitual offender or something like that. And so, yeah, that's what that's Adam, the, the habitual offender. Yeah. So technically, if it were, you know, in writing, he would have 10 more years, but I believe it's four and a half. Like, um, well, the last well, you so might we're be correct, but I was for ten years. Was, just no, I know what you're saying. I know. Both I know. Ten, but you know, let me say something, Haiti, because I know how the system works. Yes, I bet. there's no there's no sense in going back and you know to the trial, the judge, the sentencing. No, we know no. that's all messed up. We, we've already done that. Focus on Jay. Everything we have. Well, this is well. This is my question for you, Doc. Is what will it take, with your experience? What will it take for Jabe to be to to get Jabe out? Now, I want to say, we we witnessed. I don't know how much America paid attention, but we witnessed an extraordinary event when it came to the trucker out in Colorado, right? This trucker got yes. 110 years. He was sentenced to 110 years, and that judge said that his hands were tied to that 110 years. I hate to sentence you to this. My hands yep. are tied. This is what the judge says. When those truckers lay down out there in Colorado, they took 100 years off that boy and sentenced him to 10 years. And all of that happened within three or four months. So when these legislators come to me and they talk about, oh, well, you know, this has to happen and this has to happen. I don't want to hear that crap because when the power of the people rally around, again, this is why I'm building this platform. When we have the power of the people, things can happen. So going back to the question to, to doctor, what can we do, doc, to get this man out and get him to his new family and his well, old Let family? me just say something about the, uh, the criminal the justice system in the States, especially in Florida, with the sentencing guidelines 
the uh, priors. I don't know how the judge factored in that this happened. You know, those violations happened while he was on, uh, out on bond. But there are certain sen sentencing guidelines, and even in Colorado, if there's a reduction by the trial judge, that doesn't mean the state attorney can't appeal that to an appellate court and have it reinstated. So maybe the state attorney's office in Colorado did not appeal it. But it's pretty rigid. There's not much flexibility. And Florida has one of the most uh, draconian sentencing procedures. Mm -hmm. But to get Jay Bell, number one, mm -hmm. the grace of God, that's, you know, first and foremost. Second, you're going to have to have access to a decision maker that's going to pick up his cause. Now, I've been up there in Tallahassee several times to the Commission on Offender Review, and this is my experience with them. We could have a very strong case. Sometimes it su succeeds, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they don't even read the evidence and or the letters in support of a resentencing or whatever. So it's just, you know, a lot of it has to do with the grace of God, sheer luck, making contact with the right person. Uh, and Thomas is absolutely correct. Public opinion is at the basis of all politics. So there has to be some type of public opinion behind it. Because when you think about it, if you're a judge or you're a public official in the uh, 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 criminal justice system, especially a judge, and we're doing this for Robert Howard, it would be a career-ending decision to release someone and they re-offend. Yeah. It's just they're not going to take the chance. You have to present the case in such a way that uh, or the petition Whatever, whichever route you take, that the probability of reoffending is close to zero. They're not going to risk yes. their political careers on uh, making a bad decision or the wrong decision. That's how these people think. They're political actors, and it's more of a political, in many cases, when you get to a case like Gabe or Robert Howard or anyone else, it's more of a political decision than a legal decision. So politics is very much uh, pervasive in this decision-making. So as Thomas pointed out, public opinion is very important. And because this is how I look at it. You could take Jade as a test case. So here's a person that should not be incarcerated another day. He has family support. He has a game plan upon reentry. And you say, let's, Take this case, Jabe's uh, situation, and then from there you peel back the inequities in the uh, criminal justice system. You start with Jabe, you find another prospect that has close to zero probability of reoffending, and then you look at the system and you make it in their interest. You have to make it like it was their idea that we're going to save the Florida taxpayers a tremendous amount of money. So let's assume the uh, FDOC's budget is, you know, just under $3 billion. Some of that money could go to education. It could go to transportation. It could go to other types of programs where the money could be better spent. Now, as soon as you do that, the stakeholders in the status quo are going to go to the legislature. And they're going to say, wait a minute. You're going to risk closing down our penitentiary that the community depends upon for jobs? and commerce, 
So, you know, it's, it, it's, you have to navigate through the uh, nuances of the political system. So we can make all the best arguments in the world. But I'm telling you right now, politicians don't give a rat's ass about what's right. They, their decisions would be first and foremost based upon what's in my political interest and how am I going to, uh, appease or you know neutralize the opposition to this so you you have to put it in their eye in their heads wow i'm going to be this could launch my career i'm going to uh criminal justice reform so you have 120,000 people in state penitentiaries another i don't know how many thousands 30,000 county jails you have 2 million convicted felons that have been released. There's a lot of votes there. So, like I said, as Thomas <laughs> pointed out, it's all about public opinion, but you have to start, take the first step. And I would say, let Jay be the first step. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I learned in, in, in fighting against these courts, these federal courts, is you have to use their words against them. And you have to prepare a defense in 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 light of their rebuttals. So it's like I had to sit here and prepare a motion and think about all the things that they would use to tear my motion apart and rebut them before they even came with them. And in a, in a sense like this, right, they claim that this prison system is about rehabilitation. So what we'd have to do is prove that Jabe has met all prongs of rehabilitation and put that in their face and say, here is what you claim the prison system is about. Here is a man that is rehabilitated. He's shown all prongs of rehabilitation. Why are we holding him in now? If the system is about rehabilitation, it did its job. It rehabilitated this man. Right. So no, yeah, that's about a very good point. The difference, though, Thomas is that federal judges have lifetime appointments. State yes, judges do. don't. Right. So state judges are much more the political animal than a federal judge. And um, so, you know, the federal route, you know, perhaps, uh, but the problem's at the state level. And the th thing about American federalism is that if the people mobilize, what I tell my inmates, I said, did you ever think about criminal justice before being incarcerated? No. I said, why are you thinking about it now? Well, because they're incarcerated. Because they're always moaning and groaning how you know bad the system. I said, but what about your family members? For the most part, are they involved in criminal justice reform? No. What about the people that have been released from prison? Are they doing anything about it? For the most part, no. So <laughs> there's a narrative that, and I brought many FAU students, university students, into the prison. And the number one impression it had on them, and I'm not making this up, we'd walk outside the prison uh, after their first introduction to the program. So they take a tour of the penitentiary, they meet the students, they talk with them. And I'd take them outside as we're, you know, getting in our vehicles. I'd say, okay, let's have a debrief. What's your number one impression about your experience your first time inside a uh, state penitentiary and for the most part and i think this captures it those guys are human they're those human. guys are what huge human human 
Yes. They, I mean, they, there's this perception in the public that they should be in there because they're less than human. They're predators. They're a threat to society. The government's doing us a good thing by keeping them away from us. They just don't get it. So, you know, in, in the students, they always want to come back. Even after they graduate, some of them participate. So, like I said before, and yeah. as Thomas pointed out, it's all about public opinion. It's all about public opinion. That's why I sent you that bending bars to change public opinion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by hearing, you know, from these inmates how they have been successful upon reentry. Go ahead, Alex. If I may, this is this is Alex um, for the viewers. Um, I have to admit that if um, if we, I used to deal with um, with the with many programs inside the South Bay Correctional Facility, and um, I was very involved and engaged when it came to uh, Mr. DeRosa knows Elmo and all these gentlemen's um, black shear. And we created within the prison system, we created, um, to help, um, with the warden with a pandemic that was going on with drugs inside the facility. And, uh, we created forces for change. I was part of that group. And, um, let me tell you the, 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 if we have more programs like the one that Mr. DeRosa bring into the prison system, um, it would speak a lot. There's a lot of volume there. Uh, there's a lot of programs that, you know, we, we when I say we, it's because I'm an ex-inmate. So um, I speak for the brothers in there. If we have programs like Mr. what Mr. DeRosa uh, introduced to bring into the prison system and have people like Mr. DeRosa that would, um, that would actually, you know, be our voice. Um, even though Florida is kind of tough and rough when it comes to the criminal justice system, I believe there would be many changes. Um, I know, and, and he, 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 he touched a big key part when it came to the political point of view of, of all this. Um, that because of the, the uh, private prisons and the DOC camps, you know, are being funded by different politicians, you know, we are um, not entitled to certain programs. And, um, and we, I'm gonna tell you, I look forward to programs in there. And I mean, there, there was always every year we look forward to these new laws and these new, um, uh, um, um, statues that derive in, in the court system that people were fighting in our favor, you know, 65% and so on. And I, I was very vocal when it came to about, you know, when we had meetings about, uh, presenting to the, um, the, 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 the legislation, um, that we, we're not entitled to, in, in no kind of way, we're not entitled to, uh, tell the court in a demanding way, this is what we deserve. And South Bay, the majority of population is lifers. Mm. They're the yeah. ones who actually create the programs. They're the ones who actually are helping keep all these programs continue. And then the Florida, Florida has more lifers than 30 states combined. Incredible. Incredible. And uh, I know out of, I know out of the, not, I don't know out of the, 
I know about, I, I, I don't know if just the 10%, 20% of the juvenile cases that has come out of Florida. I know nine of them personally. And I visit with one of them or two of them now here in South Carolina and they're juvenile cases. And, um, you know, they're out and making their life. Mr. DeRosa, one of the first cases that Mr. DeRosa went up for was, um, um, Ruben. I work with Ruben side to side on the VP. And the gentleman that is doing wonderful, you know. Um, but again, this is not about this is not about uh, you know what we can prove or you know you 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 brought something up um, about the gentleman and um, the truck driver in Colorado. You know, I I wish that the laws were being um, in Florida the way they are in Colorado. You know, I, I think like Mr. DeRosa and and Marilyn. And many, many people who, you know, are voices for people like us. And, you know, I guess it goes unheard. Well, and, so, and that's the thing it, it's, you know, if it, getting into the politics of it again, that's the premise of what my platform is, is to bring this awareness to the community so the communities can hear these stories and 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 assimilate mm-hmm. to their own community of what's going on there and know that this is going on in every community. Like all of these issues, right. addiction, mental health, all of these things are going on in every community. And and we hear like I interview people from all over the nation and it's all the same story. You know, it's all the same story. And <laughs> it's just getting people to understand that, like what you just, you know, you, you explain, Alex. But I want to find out how much more time we got, because now I want to get into D. It's D's turn now. D. Okay. <laughs> Good evening. Hello. Guest of honor. Please um introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your brother. And uh let's talk about how they intertwine. Let's just get a little bit into the incident of the night so the listener can understand what happened that night and uh then how you came upon Jabe and, and all of that. So it's it's your time. Okay. Um, I'm Dee. Uh, my name's actually Danielle. Um, and I'm Jason's sister, his oldest younger sister. Um, we have a little brother and a little sister. Um, my sister Kate, Catherine, uh, and my little brother, Buck. <laughs> um, and uh well Jason was loving. He was funny. Does she lag? Is everybody lagging? No. Nope. nope, I'm crying. No. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry, mommy. That was, that no, was, it's okay. that was it's a liar. Okay. <laughs> that was a liar. <laughs> that yeah. was a liar, and I didn't think this would happen. Um he loved his family. He really loved his family. Um and that was something that our our childhood was rocky um i'm just gonna name the people trauma because i don't want to call anybody out um but the trauma i mean i my uncle called super bowl sunday the steelers were playing i just remember that phone call i don't think i remember the next two weeks of my life really I was 19. I just graduated high school. I got a full-time job as a nurse aide. 
um, I started taking care of nights for taking care of people and, and this tragedy happens and it's awful and it's horrible. Um, but my first thought wasn't, oh, you know, this is such a hit to our family. And honestly, it was, my God, Jabe survived. How is he going to survive this? And I won't lie. I was angry. I had my moments of, of angry. You know, we all go through the seven stages of healing. Um, but all that trauma in the past was gone in that moment. It didn't matter. None of it mattered. Um, I remember my grandma waiting for me because <laughs> they waited till I got off work to tell me. And I just sat outside and talked to the moon because I didn't know what else to do. That's, that's really the only clarity I have. Um, because for three months before that, I had the best and longest relationship with my older brother than I'd ever had in my whole life. Where we were actually talking. And not just talking like siblings, but like we were grown-ups together. We made it. And uh, I remember, well, I don't remember clearly, obviously. It's been what feels like a bajillion years. But uh, he was so happy when he talked about Jade. He didn't talk about a friend. He talked about someone he saw as like a little brother. Uh, Jason was 26 and Jade was only 21. And the only reason those numbers stick so hard in my mind, because I was only 19. Um, Jabe's not that much older than me. And I can't even imagine the last 16 years of my life being confined in, into a jail cell or a prison, you know, into a fence with barbed wire. I can't. And I don't, I don't want to. Um, but Jason talked about Jabe like he would have done anything for him. Like, I don't, I don't have a lot of words for how to describe the impression of their relationship. I got over the phone because I never got to meet Jabe yet. <laughs> I haven't met him yet. Mm. Um, but like Haley said, you know, there's a lot of stuff in between then and now that's happened. And I can't, I can't spend the time crying. Oh. I mean, the emotions get big and, um, and, and feelings get so big. But when it comes to who my brother was, he was life. He was light. Um, he did a lot of stupid things. He, he just, he made his mistakes like we all do. Um, but he, he just loved so big. It's kind of funny. That's what I'm remembering now. Mm. At 36, this is what I'm remembering. That he really loved so big. Um, and I didn't think about this before literally right now. But. 
Um, I don't know how much of the last 16 years I could change for myself. Because that accident set into motion my whole life right now. Um, and this is not about me, but um, I don't remember the first letter I sent Jabe, but I remember the first Christmas card he sent me. It was Disney princesses. <laughs> How silly is that? Um, and my husband, who's ironically enough a corrections officer, <laughs> saw J-Pay on my phone one day. He goes, who the hell are you talking to? And I said, the same guy I've been talking to for 15 years. And then he laughed because he's like, oh, yeah. Um, this whole journey, every bit of it, as hard as it's been, I don't think I'd trade my brother for Jade. I, I couldn't do that. Um, because at the end of his life, I really had a relationship with my brother who, from a ruined for so long, and I know a lot of people listen to me and they're like, you're, you're nuts. You know, an eye for an eye. The Bible says an eye for an eye. Um, and I don't believe Jesus worked like that. <laughs> I don't think that was ever an intention for that part to stick around so long. Um, but I never harbored ill will towards Jabe. Um, but over the last few years of us talking, it wasn't. He always apologizes and I'm always like, stop it, your family. Like, and I think, I think he gets stuck on that sometimes. Um, and I'm not trying to replace my brother. If anything, I'm, I'm trying to be my brother for Jabe. This is a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> oh, you're doing, you're doing beautiful, mommy. God bless your heart. <laughs> I think it's just hard because society and the way we were raised ruined my brother. Society turned him into an addict and then said, you can't come any closer than right here. To your family, to your friends, you're an addict. You're tainted. You're dirty. We don't want you anymore. And I was such a kid, I didn't think differently. I did what I was told. Um, but I forgave Jabe very quickly. And then I started living my life to prevent Jabe from happening to somebody else. So that there wasn't a Haley and a Bobby and a Danielle and a Catherine out there trying to figure out what it's like to be in the other person's shoes. So I worked at a juvenile placement facility and I worked for CYS. My husband's a corrections officer. And I just, I think the point is, is that maybe Jason was, I don't want to say a sacrifice, but Maybe 
that was how Jade was supposed to really live. Like, one tragic accident can't steal two lives. Like, I can't. I can't let that happen. I won't let that happen. And I and I think it's silly sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, I do talk to him like he's my brother, but not Jason. He's not filling a hole. He's a completely different person. He's his own position in my life. He's my brother from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I mean, and I've never met him, uh, but the growth and the letters and the cards and I don't know. I just, I've grown to be a person that asks the question, who hurt you? Instead of, why do you do drugs? I'm the person who asks the question, who treated you like that, that you think it's okay to treat other people that way? That's not okay. And I wouldn't be the person that I am right now if I hadn't watched my brother be ruined by trauma and then I hadn't watched my brother be pushed away by society and then I had to lose him and I miss him but if somebody came to me today and said you can go back in your life and change one thing what would it be I wouldn't ask for him to come back for a long time I would just want to tell my love him and give him a hug again. Mm. And then I could let him go. Because there's so many lives that have been changed along the way that those people are worth it too. And and it's such a, a hard thing to think about or even try to understand that one death could save so many lives Hmm. but damn it that's where I'm at and it has to because dignity treat people with human respect there is a person there that's a heartbeat that is a life why are we just trying to box people in the cages why are we trying to label people addicts and criminals no that's Jade he might have been an addict, but he's not anymore. He might be an inmate right now. But he's going to save lives. He's going to change the world. And I know that. I know that. So you haven't even had the opportunity to, to hug Jabe or touch Jabe or anything of that nature? Nope. And you... Can you tell me about the adoption? You 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 brought Jabe into the family as as part of the family, right? Oh yeah. Um mm. it, it's um it's kind of funny because <laughs> we <laughs> we definitely the last couple of years have uh, gotten closer through our faith. Um there's just so many moments in my life that I, it's just, you know, why am I sitting here at my dining room table how, being able to do this? God, uh, why didn't you end up like every other statistic that trauma ruined? God, <laughs> but the, but for the grace of God, I, I wouldn't be sitting here. And um, 
we really got closer through our faith. And I think it was inviting him to church. And then I realized, I was like, wait a second. I mean, I've never believed that families should be smaller. I have never believed that there's not more room at the table. It's always been a thing. There's always room at the table. Families should grow and, and love should, should, should lead. Mm. Um, I don't no. know that it was a conscious decision to adopt him into the family. It just happened because that's the person that Jason and Jade made me. Mm. Now, Ms. Marilyn, was you part of that transition? Was you was you interacting with Jason before um, you know, the 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 acceptance, the forgiveness? Was you part of that transition? I didn't know Jason. Um or, or Jabe, I'm sorry. Okay. Um Yes, I watched him, uh, not watched literally, but through writing, um, watched him grieve and go through the entire grief process and come out the other side. Um, And it took a while. I mean, I still have every letter he wrote me. And I told, I've got this big bag in my closet and, um, you know, the day he's out, I'm giving him all those letters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing to see the growth and the forgiveness and the love in those letters. And um, he has told me he can't wait to go to church with Dee and um, just worship beside her. So um it's going to be a glorious day when he's out. That's for sure. Now, Miss Haley. Yes. Hearing Miss D, hearing what she had to say. Um, how do you feel? I mean, what 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 is going what is going through your mind when you're hearing her and seeing her recall, you know, memories of of her brother and and things of that nature. And and the forgiveness that she's shown to your brother and what it's done just for everybody. Um, I mean, it's hard because I hurt for her more than I hurt for my brother, obviously, mm. um, because I still have my brother. <laughs> And I can't, I, 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 I can't imagine, I just can't imagine not having him. So I feel, I feel guilt. I feel the same, the same remorse he does, I'm sure. Um, I kind of forgot the question now well it's just i mean you 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 pretty much answered it and i think a lot of 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 the importance of what you what you said is the guilt and i guess what it is 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 that 
the beautiful thing of this discussion right here is what all of us need to do in our communities. And that's just forgive each other and just understand that things occur, you know, things occur and how can we forgive each other for them? You know, and because there's two sides and, and like you just expressed the guilt that you feel is almost as, as burdenous as what Jabe feels, you know, because you're dealing, you get to see your brother and interact with him where D doesn't. And it's it's, selfish sometimes. I mean, honestly, I do, but (sighs) it's okay. I, I feel selfish and overwhelmed and, um, I, I, and I think back to how young they were, like, I, I, I hate calling them addicts because they were so young. Like everybody, ex- everybody goes through those experiences when they're young. Not everybody, sorry. A lot of teenagers, mm-hmm. young adults go through, you know, trying things, doing things, doing stupid things. Um, and they were trying to get help. That's, that's the program that they were in. Um, at the time that this happened was trying to get help and Bridges, huh? they, they shouldn't have. Well, my brother's girlfriend was given keys to a car to go pick them up and um, take them out of where they were there for treatment. And I just, I hate classifying such young people as addicts. Like there's, there's no proof that they were going to remain addicts. Like you do stupid stuff when you're young, but I don't believe that defines you. And Jason could have grown from it. We, we, we don't know. And Jabe could have grown from it and he had a chance to Jason didn't. Mm. Um, I just, I just hate how young they were. I hate how young they were when this happened because I feel like it just makes it a little more tough on the whole situation. It's sad. You know, it's sad because now we're sitting in the face of, of almost three quarters of our nation is, is addicted. You know, we, we have up in Massachusetts right now, they're actually trying to pass legislation to allow Narcan into elementary schools. Yes. We have elementary kids. We have elementary kids that are, are overdosing on, on fentanyl. I mean, it's ridiculous what is going on in America right now, but. I have two other guests. So I have Bobby here. I want to bring Bobby. Does Bobby want to speak or is Bobby just in here listening? And then I have iPhone. I don't know who iPhone is. iPhone. Is that Catherine D or no? I think it might be. It might be. So Bobby is our oldest sister um, who thinks that she's ugly 
and doesn't want to talk. And I mean, she's just as real as they come. She's like, uh, I don't look very good right now and I don't want to speak. And I'm like, she's like, can I listen? Okay. Um, that's fine. So I, and then I, I thought that I was nervous, but apparently I was wrong. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. Bro. <laughs> okay. Is not so, she's beautiful and she needs to speak for her brother but um we'll just see if she takes that little oh there she took the microphone off come on bobby come on bobby come on bobby i just <laughs> i don't i don't even know what to say there she is. um i just well, want let me to let me help you out bobby let me help you out so good evening I hope you I I hope you that 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 you've been enjoying this discussion so far. Mm-hmm. Um just just introduce yourself as to who you are. Um and and just any opinion on what you think and uh, of the discussion, you know, uh uh just anything at all, it doesn't matter. Um well first off, I feel bad for the family and and I know Jabe does too. And I've seen so much growth in him and we talk a lot and he's so changed. And like somebody said on here before, he would give the shirt off his back to help a stranger. He would do anything to help anybody. He's such a good person. And I just know this was a tragic mistake and he could, if he could take it back, he would in a heartbeat. If he could trade places with him, I'm sure he would in a heartbeat. And I just, I don't know what else to say. Yes, I've said that a million times. <laughs> he's just, he's an amazing brother and uncle. amazing uncle. <laughs> My kids have met him one time behind bars. Um, that was their only chance to meet him. And they because, fell in love with because him. Because we all live in Ohio and Jade's in Florida. They don't. Bobby has five kids, so it's harder for her to travel down to go visit with five kids and airline tickets, and it's expensive. And just the impact that he had on them, just meeting him that one time, they fell in love with him. And I don't know, John. I'm trying to help. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to say. I'm just, it's just a tough situation all around, and. I just feel like he has, he's paid his debt and he's made changes all around. He, it's, it's like talking to a totally different person now. Mm. He's made so much growth and I really think he could help so many people out here to not make that same mistake. And I know he would, he would be willing to do that and try to help people not go down the same road that he did. Mm. that's all i can say i'm sorry no that's that's beautiful mommy that's beautiful so let me switch back to my guest now he's been i see he's been over there taking notes and writing down and and i know um i know he's got he's got some things that that he wants to come in and i met see i'm part of an app called wisdom i was introduced to to an app called wisdom and i've been on there for about two weeks and uh, I met a lot of of wonderful individuals on this on this wisdom app so far. But Mr. Martin John specifically 
struck my attention because of his his calmness and his ability to to listen to people this that's a rare thing today for somebody to actually listen to somebody and 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 speak to this person and to where that this person feels heard so um i instantly resonated with that with him and i brought him on specifically for that because i am interested to hear what he has to say about this story after listening so mr martin john oh whoa um first off thank you guys for sharing that story um and my love to each and every one of you because we're all here because we we get it you know what i mean like Haley, bobby you know that survivor's remorse man like mm. that is that's some shit like You know, I one time was having a conversation with a guy in a church, came in, we were chatting it up, black dude, I'm in Chicago, and and I said, you know, the only reason I'm not in prison is because I'm white, and there is, like, not to this extent, but there is this kind of, there is a different path because of a roll of the dice. There is no, no bringing Jason back. And Jabe still got a role to play. You know, and that's, and that's something that's special. But the thing is, is, so do you. Each and every one of you have an experience. And regardless of the other players in their role you're holding on to a whole deck of cards and every time you interact with people you're dealing out something from that deck and that deck is unique and that deck ain't nobody got that deck nobody has what you have within you even though Haley and Bobby, maybe you have some similar understandings of an ex, of, of a of a thing that happened. The you guys know the actions that took place, but each one of you have a completely different experience of each and every one of those one of those events, and that's something that's unique, and that's what we need. And we need you to own that and not and not be in a position where you're like, I feel bad. Yeah, okay, you can feel bad. But if that prevents you from embracing the experience that you're having, you continue to cheat the world out of who you are. Because we need you. You have this experience and you have this experience that is very unique to you because you saw the world from a specific perspective. 
And we each carry a unique experience. And that is beautiful. Nobody can say what we can say. Because we're the only ones that can say it from here. And when we approach a situation with any sort of resistance, we're closing off our heart. And that makes it hard to communicate. But each one of you has something to communicate. <laughs> and I'm going to leave it there. I love okay. you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Martin John. You know, like, like I say, I've done some bad things. And I could sit here and I could harbor on these bad things. And I could sit here and say, you know, um, a, a lot of bad things about me. But at the end of the day, I love who I am. I love who I am. I love this person that's on this Zoom with you guys. I love who I am. And in order for me to love who I am today, I have to accept every little thing that happened to me, the molestation, the beatings, the, the trauma, all of that. I have to accept for what it was because all of that formed me to who I am today in this moment. So once I understood that, it allowed me to let all those trans transgressions go. I've, I've, I've mourned over all of that. I've suffered them. I've felt guilt over all of that. I've, I've paid my debt to myself for the atrocities that I've done. And I continue to show that I will not do those atrocities ever again by being my best self each day. Right. Oh. D has her pain. Haley has her pain. We all have our pain. We all have our guilt. But it's okay to feel that and know that that's all part of the transition, but it's over with. It happened. It's done. Now we have this here. And, and the thing of it is, is that I'm a firm believer in, in spectrums. I believe that that life is a spectrum and where you have bad, you have good. So as everybody has described in this, in this discussion, all the good that has came from this one tragic event. And it's, it's just relishing in that. It's just understanding the good that has come from this. And yes, we can, we can, we can focus on the bad, but it's doing nothing. It does nothing but hold us down, hold us back and stops us from enjoying what we have now. Uh, it's the, the forgiveness, the, the love, that I've heard in this discussion is, is, is like, for me, I feel like, I feel like this is the, like, this is a family get together. You know what I mean? This is for me, this is, this is what I am trying to get all of our communities to do. You know what I mean? And it's, it's beautiful that human beings can suffer such an emotional loss and feel the way that they feel and still yet come together and able to communicate about it, talk about it, share the feelings, this, the, the feelings of guilt, the feelings of anger, loss, these things, and hear each other, understand what each of those feelings are. And at the end, just say, it's okay. You know, it's okay, man. It, it is what it is. Let's bring this man home, you know? So 
that's it. It's it's just Haley D. You know, you guys. This to new beginnings. You know, new beginnings. You guys are sisters now. You know, Bobby has a sister now, and it's it's just this whole family now had came together. I I have learned, and these are just my beliefs, but. When people talk about God and how can there be a God? Wow, how can God allow children to die with cancer and molestations and things of this nature? How can God allow such atrocities to happen? I'm a firm believer now that life is 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 a is a master. Life is a better teacher than us. And and it is a teacher. And there's lessons to be taught. And I feel like individuals come and go in our lives, right? And these individuals are specifically there for a reason, to teach us lessons and, to, and, and experiences for us to learn. And then that spirit just travels on to whatever that spirit was here to do. But because we are selfish creatures and, and we're emotional creatures and we want this this love to last forever because it makes us feel good that it it tears us apart to be departed from these things but we just have to understand that sometimes things just come into our lives to teach us a lesson and to learn from so what can i learn from this here and 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 and, and appreciate the fact that this beautiful human being was in my life to teach me these things you know and and I love that person for that and always will and and letting that person go for what it is and and sailing off into the sunset and for that it always takes me back to what Bruce Lee says death is not something to be feared but embraced because we all have to go through it that's right we all have to face it we all have to go through it so learn how to embrace it now for the beauty that it is and learn from it. So that is my parting. If anybody else would like to say from that, we're going to get into the petition, what people can do with the petition and uh, just any parting love for Jade. So only, oh, go ahead, so, Haley. It's the, on only, the only thing that I wanted to add was the fact that my parents can't be involved in this. Um, I don't know if you any, know anything about their whole story, um, but my dad had a throat cancer, so he had his voice box removed, so he can't speak. Um, uh, otherwise, he <laughs> he would love to. Um, and my mother had two strokes in the past 10 years, so... She's in a wheelchair now, and she has the mind of probably, if I had to say, sounds insensitive, but I'd say maybe like a seven or eight-year-old. Um, and so I take care of her. I take care of my dad. Um, just another factor of how alone I am in taking care of my parents. My sister has a lot of health issues. Um, I'm not going to get into those. That's her, her business and all that stuff. But, um, she's not capable of helping me with my parents and I'm just stating why they can't be involved in this. Um, they would love to, but 
<laughs> you wouldn't want to hear my mom because it it well, would waste well. your whole podcast and you wouldn't understand anything she had to say. And my dad <laughs> can't talk. So, but they do love him dearly. They are here for him. And he does have his family here in Ohio. I moved back here because they needed me. So if we get Jabe home, when we get Jabe home, this is where he's going to be with us in our guest room where I'm hanging out right now. Uh, but uh, I pray that we were able to, because um, I'm sure I'm sure the parents would probably want to listen. And and I and I and I hope and I pray that we were able to to speak for them, you know that 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 what was said today. Yes, absolutely. It's to to what they want to say because I'm sure they they want to speak, you know. So. Yep. Yep. Um, many I did a fine job on their behalf. It'll be fine. Mr. <laughs> yeah, so Alex, what you got? Man, listen, I cannot believe, and I'm still amazed of the opportunity that I have to be here amongst everybody. Um, being that I am one of the, uh, Connie's Jane, as you call him, I call him Connie. I'm so used to his last name. You guys call him by their last name. Yeah. yeah Connie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, that institution mentality. But, um, I, I have to say this. I, the 63 months that I was incarcerated, 56 of them was being around day in and day out with Connie. And um, I can't express how much I, you know, how devastated and broken I am for both sides of the family. I pray in day in, I pray day in and day out. We walk to Cairo's, we walk to chapel. I mean, Connie said he was never, a, um, he, he was not good at praying. I had to put him on the spot because when DeRozan said he was a shy individual, he was. He is we very to, shy. He's worse than me. Seriously, we had to break him out the cocoon. All right. We had to, I had to go with him to certain programs. Um, you know, to push, push him. But, um, uh, nevertheless, once you get him up there on stage, he's yep. very, vocal, very educated, very open, uh, doesn't get lost in words and he's a natural. Mm. And I have to say to the family, uh, the guy, it's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Um, mm -hmm. I have read letters. I have prayed over your letters, your family, and God bless your heart for even, you know, um, forget being so forgiven. Because if I can be, uh, you, I've been forgiven. I forgive others for what they've done for me, but <laughs> what you're going through, I can't even imagine. I can't even bear that. Right. So, you taught me a lot today mm. and you guys, all you guys taught me something well today. Like, you know, I'm out here and, um, I wish I could have him here. You know, even if it takes me to go to Ohio and visit him, my wife is sitting next to me. She's hearing all the conversation and she know how, how Jave is so important to me. I stay in communication with him day in and day out. So all I can say is, you know, let's all continue to pray. And as like I say, when two or three gather, right? God is there in the midst. Amen. And go on. It won't go on her. It will be, it will be heard. Yeah. But it's, it's been a pleasure. So Alex, I'm, 
I'm, I mean, I'm like, when I talk about who I am, all of that went on in Newport Richie. So I'm 20 minutes from you. Really? For real. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm right here on the other side of Pasco, man. I'm over here in Wesley Chapel. That's where I'm at. So, really? So I'm going to hook up with you. We have to. We yeah, have I'm going to hook up with you on the side and then, and then we'll catch you. I'm always over there, man. But Absolutely. So, I'll, take you to, hey, I'll take you out to dinner. What you like? Oh, hey, all right now. I got you. Dinner on you. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Believe me. Believe so, Ms. Marilyn, any parting, any parting thoughts, wishes, blessings? Well, once again, I just am grateful that I've been able to be a part of this. And, you know, it started out with um, me seeing that I was helping Jay. But I'll tell you, he's really helped me through all these years uh, communicating. Um, and, you know, I feel I know you all so well, and I know he loves each one of you deeply. Um, so it's nice to have faces with the names. And um, I just, you know, pray that we can make a difference and something can come from this. So, um yeah, I'd like to just stay in communication with everybody and um, just know what the next step is. And like I said, I'll keep emailing. I don't know what more I can do than keep emailing the clemency board and And that's pray. it, mommy. And we all just do our own part. So hey, uh, the petition my son Brian is... just joined. What's going on, Brian? So I'm going yeah. to put a link in the description to the petition so we're the listener. Listener, please just click the link, sign the petition, going back to what the doctor and I was saying earlier about about public awareness, public opinion. The petition is very, very important. Very important. So I have and, a quick question. I'm sorry to interrupt. I have a quick ahead. question. The petition, we, me and my wife, we actually signed it, right? I, I believe so, right? We signed. So there is a a, 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 a description there, a uh, description. Is it there, there's a uh, uh, um an area where it talks about donating? We would love to donate. How okay. would we so as far as donations with the change.org, that is not a donation site. What we would have to do is start a GoFundMe. Okay. And 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 create a GoFundMe for donations uh in that aspect. And, and, you know, just circle around what the donations would be for, maybe for him coming home, you know, things of that nature. However, but that would go through a GoFundMe. But the change.org is only for petitions. They have uh, the dollar amount there as as um, as Miss Haley and I was talking. And I think what that is, is that that goes to change.org for for promoting purposes to push their. So what what would you recommend? What would we what should we do? Good question. <laughs> so we can we can start the GoFundMe. Um I would like everybody to make sure that they go if you haven't yet, but go to my foundation and make sure that you're subscribed there so that we can get email blast and keep all connected as as we were talking about. And um and then that's it from there. We'll just figure out uh, what what if we're gonna do a GoFundMe and, and and I can always put that in the links later. But for the listener, all these links will be in the descriptions to just click click on them. But what I want to do is all of us in unison before we go, just say, let's bring Jabe home. 
you know? So on the count of three, one, two, three. it's time for this man to come home so thank you guys for opening your yourselves up um thank you mr martin john for coming on tonight and being a part of this alex you as well um doctor i know you're a very busy man so thank you for coming on as well mr dr dr de rosa and sharing what you did and just everybody it's it's on to the horizons.